It is the Lockdown Bengals Podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Today, I'm alone in segment one as Joe Goodberry and Joe Marino tackle the Buffalo Bills crossover episode in segments two and three. It's an all-Buffalo, all-Joe episode as Joe, of course, lives in upstate New York and Joe Marino covers the Bills. Joe also, Marino, covers... The Draft for the Draft Network, so you can find his work there. You'll hear more from those two later on in the show. You'll get answers to questions such as, is Josh Allen actually a good quarterback? Can the Bengals match up with the Buffalo Bills? And where are there potentially good matchups and potentially game-determining bad matchups for both teams? Stay tuned for more of that later. The Cincinnati Bengals today made a few back-of-the-roster moves as they're dealing with injuries. This is your Locked On Bengals lead story. I'm Jake Lisko. The Bengals today signed offensive guard, center, tackle, Keaton Sutherland from the practice squad and in a corresponding move waived Farrell Cooper, who was only on the field sparingly in the first two games of the season. Josh Malone, of course, was cut in favor of Farrell Cooper a few weeks ago, and now Cooper's gone too. Keaton Sutherland played at Texas A&M for his undergrad, in case you forgot, and reunites with Jim Turner on the Bengals' 53-man roster in that offensive line room. Sutherland played tackle and center predominantly in preseason, but ostensibly will be backing up at guard, with the Bengals severely depleted at the position, especially if Andre Smith can't go, although it sounds like he is likely to be all right this week. The Bengals will be certainly without Mike Jordan, and we still haven't heard any updates on Cordy Glenn, who still battles his concussion and has now reached about one full month in the concussion protocol. Back to Sutherland for a moment. He figures to potentially be active this weekend in Buffalo, especially if some of those aforementioned players aren't cleared to play. He can back up essentially every position on the offensive line, and he played every position on the offensive line from center outside in the preseason, Sutherland had his best game of the preseason in week four against the Colts when he played 29 snaps at left tackle and 41 snaps at center. He did only take 14 total snaps in the preseason at guard, so it remains to be seen how much he'll be able to contribute there, but that's where they're really shallow. They're also shallow at tackle, however, especially if Andre Smith is dinged up. If Andre Smith couldn't play this weekend, for example, they'd be going into the game with just John Jerry and Bobby Hart as tackles, and hypothetically, you could see Trey Hopkins backing up there. He has played tackle in the NFL, but there's nobody else on the team that has a lot of tackle experience, so Keaton Sutherland might be filling a few roles for the Bengals, and because of that, I expect that he could very well be active against the Bills in case there are more injuries to an already depleted offensive line. 
To fill his spot on the practice squad, the Bengals signed University of Cincinnati offensive lineman, offensive tackle, Dino Boyd. He was a graduate transfer from Rhode Island and an all-league honoree in his only year at the University of Cincinnati. Helped the Bearcats to an 11-2 season in his only season there. Went on to be a college free agent with the Chiefs in the preseason. And there he played a total of 101 snaps at left tackle and 51 snaps at right tackle. And like most college free agents, had an up and down preseason, didn't make the team in Kansas City, was fairly unremarkable, but provides decent depth. And he's a local guy, so he's a feel-good story, and they certainly need all the tackle depth they could possibly get. So it doesn't hurt to sign another Boyd to fill out the practice squad. These moves are relatively minor in the scope of things for the Bengals, and if any of these players are asked to play this weekend, that being Keaton Sutherland primarily, they're going to be in more trouble than they're already in. Even if Cordy Glenn plays, John Jerry's healthy, Andre Smith is healthy, things are not looking good for this offensive line, and the same can be said for the linebacking unit. At this point, Duke Tobin, for me, has run out of leash at those two positions. Preston Brown and Nick Vigil are amongst the worst linebackers in football. The Bengals' offensive line is amongst the worst in football. These two things have been true for the Bengals for at least two years, and you could argue that they've been true for three years. The 2015 draft of Cedric Obwehi and Jake Fisher was really an abject failure in retrospect and has left the Bengals in a really bad spot at one of the most important units on the team in the offensive line. Meanwhile, the linebackers continue to get exploited every week, and this week in particular, against the 49ers, the corners and safeties couldn't tackle. In fact, most of the defense was either too slow to get to tackles or missed the tackles when they got there, and the secondary had one of the worst tackling grades I've ever seen. This is going to be a continued problem for the Bengals until they address a couple of ways they build the team. Yes, they have a lot of homegrown talent on the team, but is that homegrown talent any good? Not necessarily. Then you watch the Jets against the Browns and you see that that Jets offensive line, which costs the second most in football if you look at the cap hit, and they're not very much better. The Bengals need to find a way to success at these two positions if they're going to have any shot at competing in the near future. And then you've got to look at some of the advanced numbers on Andy Dalton. Sure, his passing yard totals are nice, and he's put up a decent completion percentage, his passer rating's around 100, but when you compare him to the rest of his peers, he's below average this year. It's very hard to find a franchise quarterback in the NFL, but the Bengals roster as it's currently set up isn't good enough to elevate Dalton. Meanwhile, Dalton isn't good enough to elevate the roster. You can argue about team-building approach either way, And I could hear your arguments either way. But at this point, with a new coach, I could certainly see them looking for the reset button. It's early days in the season, and the Bengals play at Buffalo this weekend. Let's hear what Joe and Joe have to say about the matchup on today's episode of Lockdown Bengals Crossover Edition. Guys, let's talk about sex. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue, like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up as twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Let me tell you, we get free samples, and if you think Marshawn Lynch has a good stiff arm, you've seen nothing yet. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, 
no awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code Locked On. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code Locked On to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the Locked On Bengals podcast. Joe Marino of Locked On Bills here, joined by Joe Goodberry of Locked On Bengals to give us the Bengals perspective on this matchup on Sunday. Joe, thanks for joining me. And the first thing I want to get into here is we're new to Zach Taylor, right? Only two games as an NFL head coach. And we're trying to understand who he is and what type of team he wants the Bengals to be. What would you say right now is the Bengals' offensive and defensive identity, or at least what does Zach Taylor want them to be? Yeah, so we had kind of had our expectations going into the year, right? He comes from a Rams-style offense coming from the Rams. He has said himself he's wanted to implement it. That's why he's gotten the job. So everyone should expect that. But uh, you can see elements of it, but at the same time, you can tell the Bengals haven't been able to fully employ their offense because they haven't been able to run the ball at all. They're averaging j- just over one yard per carry as a team, and uh, really the way defenses are playing them are just begging them to beat them with Andy Dalton and without A.J. Green. So the Bengals are throwing the ball all day, and I think they'd love to get mo- more to a 50-50 split in the run game, but with the offensive line they have, we're kind of just seeing half the offense right now. While the concepts are, a lot of the plays that I looked at from the Rams the last two years are definitely in there for the passing offense. It's just we haven't seen the full um, exposure of the run game. And then, uh, obviously, the the play action is supposed to be a big part of that. And it's only working 50-50, and I think it's because the defense isn't really worried about the run. Uh, On the defensive side of the ball for the Bengals, uh, Lou Anarumo is the defensive coordinator. He was a very late hire after they failed to hire a couple guys that they wanted. he was the Giants defensive backs coach. It was really unclear on what direction he wanted to go with this defense. He, he said it wanted to be multiple. They wanted to be aggressive. All the buzzwords you hear from a new coach or coordinator, but they actually have been. They, they, they've been a 3-4 base defense at times. Uh, they'll go down there with four D linemen. They'll go out, out with five D linemen. They'll take all the linebackers off the field and go and go out there in a nickel with five D line and six defensive backs. So uh, it really, it's hard to put a, a thumb on it right now and say this is who they are, but what they are after week one was, hey, this might be a really good defense. Week two is this might be a really bad defense that can be exploited by uh, play action, misdirection, and a good running game. Uh, and it, again, the linebackers linebackers look slow. They look they look tired halfway through the game. That's just they, it's it's not a great unit when they're when they're easily exploitable. So right now we don't know, but what we've seen so far has gotten us a little bit nervous. It's interesting you said that because I like a lot of the talent Cincinnati has in the defensive line. And, of course, the secondary. I have a lot of respect for a lot of the players on the back end. But the weak spot really does kind of seem to be linebacker. And that kind of matches up with your overall tone there. Um, Preston Brown, I know one of the guys there, Jordan Evans. Is that is that kind of the weakness on this on this defense? Yeah, it definitely is. And you guys know Preston Brown. And he's an okay player. I mean, he's smart. He seems like a good guy. He can play the run. Uh, but this league is going to spread you out horizontally and make you run, and they're going to make you cover. And 
he's out there playing 95% of the snaps and being exploited as much as possible because he can't move as quickly as you'd like. He can't operate in space. Um, he can't get to this the second or third gap over if he needs to, uh, if, if they're running outside zone or stretched plays and he's just not fast enough to do it. And he gets cut, cut off by a linebacker or an offensive lineman too quickly. The other guy's Nick Vigil. Uh, he's a fourth year guy and they they've liked him. He's played a lot. He's never really been good. And, that's kind of the theme for, I guess, a lot of their linebackers. He's the best of who they've had. But again, he is a guy that's kind of uh, always a step late and a little bit too weak, getting dragged by by running backs, missing tackles. He's their most athletic guy in terms of the two starters, but they're really not even playing with a third linebacker at all. The Jordan Evans hasn't taken a snap yet, despite being healthy. Jermaine Pratt, the third-round pick out of NC State, has taken three snaps. So they have not employed a third linebacker. They are That's why I said they're a 3-4 base defense, because they'd rather go out there with their edge and their, their pass rushers, because that's the strength of the team. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, real quick on A.J. Green, you mentioned his name as well. Are we going to see him on Sunday? Because uh, we saw that Trey White AJ Green matchup in 2017, and that's right. I sure I sure like to not see that again. Yeah, he won't play. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> good news for Bills fans, but uh, the Bengals receivers are looking pretty good even without him. All right. So uh, speaking of the Bengals receivers, John Ross, he has got all kinds of speed. He seems to be coming into his own here, making some plays early on this season. What type of inc- impact can he have on Sunday, or is there is there something we don't know about John Ross where maybe some of this this production's inflated? I wouldn't say the production's inflated. One of the the sixty six yard touchdown he had last week was in garbage time, but at the same time, the or San Francisco Forty Nine ers did start to put in some backups, and the one corner was a backup uh, that he ultimately just undressed on that route. But then after he catches it. He, I mean, 40 of it was after the catch where he just looked like the flash. I mean, he, he's just a freak in terms of speed and agility and explosiveness. And that's who he was. You remember at Washington. I mean, the man was was super fun to watch. In the first two years, he just didn't have that extra gear. In fact, I didn't, maybe the last two gears, because that last one he has is a special one. He couldn't even get up to, to decent speed. It didn't even look like he was running a 4-4 half the time. Last year, he had seven touchdowns only averaged 10 yards per catch, which is crazy for, for a guy like John Ross. This year, he's over 22 yards per catch. He's got three touchdowns already. They're just chucking the ball to him, and he's making plays. And that's a good thing for an offense that really, without him, would have no explosive plays. Maybe one other one to Tyler Boyd down the seam, but it's because John Ross grabbed the attention of two defensive backs and left Boyd wide open. So that's the threat, is that he's going to draw this attention because he can score on any play. And you know defensive coordinators hate that. that that's, that'll yep. keep them up at night. And because of it, other guys are getting open. You mentioned John Ross, who obviously can make a big impact in this game. And certainly not even like you mentioned there. It's not just him catching the ball. It's just his presence on the lineup and how it affects the way that you have to play this Bengals team. When you think of other areas where the Bengals match up with the Bills, are there any that stand out to you as advantages for Cincinnati? And then on the on the other side of that, what what makes you most concerned with matching up with Buffalo? I'd say the advantage is the defensive line for the Bengals. And I know Buffalo is invested a lot in their offensive line, but the Bengals D line should be amongst the best in the league. I mean, they're, they're deep. Geno Atkins is a perennial pro bowl, all pro type defensive tackle. He may make the hall of fame one day. Uh, I think Carlos Dunlap at end is one of the most underrated players in the league. He's good against the run and he's a long athletic guy that can cause a lot of havoc. Um, On the other end, Sam Hubbard, second year out of Ohio state. He was a third round pick surprisingly has taken a next step. And I, and I say that because he had a good rookie year, but 
I think he looks more athletic. He looks faster. He, he just is a little bit stronger this year. I had concerns with him coming out of Ohio State in terms of entire upside for him. But week one, he had two sacks against against uh, Seattle. He he made some disruptive plays against San Fran. But I think if, if those are your two base DNs, you're feeling pretty good about it. And then Carl Lawson comes in on the field, and he is their best pass rusher. And they're only using him sparingly. He's he's coming off a knee injury last year. Uh, he's got a list. He's he's the John Ross on the defensive side in terms of injuries throughout college, and then and then the pros now. But when he's out there and he's playing, he is tough, man. He will jack up an offensive lineman easily with that power and strength and the moves he has. And, and when they get him out on the field, they'll have all three of them, and plus Geno Atkins, and it, it's hard to block. And then they've got three backup defensive tackles. I say backups. I think of Nickel as the base defense. But uh, Andrew Billings, Ryan Glasgow, and Josh Tupau is a guy a lot of people don't know. He, he's relatively new to the Bengals. He's only played maybe 200 snaps in his career. But he's a big nose tackle, 350-pounder to go with Andrew Billings. When the Bengals go in their three, four looks, the three D linemen are Glasgow and Atkins on the outside, and then it'll be two power Billings at nose tackle, and it can it can clog up some space. Yeah, I, I definitely look at that defensive line that Cincinnati has and, and, and see that there could be some potential problems there. Uh, on the flip side of that, anything that concerns you that say, hey, you know, this is a, an opportunity that the Bills are going to have to exploit based on what Buffalo has personnel wise. Yeah, I like Buffalo with Beasley and John Brown in terms of uh, if you get John Brown on on Drake Kirkpatrick, Kirkpatrick is a liability in terms of uh, long speed and ball skills. Uh, he, he'll get grabby if you test him deep, and I think you could really do that with John Brown, especially he's had a great start to the year. And and Cole Beasley in the slot versus B.W. Webb. B.W. Webb is, had his arm in the cast after the game. They say he's day-to-day, could play this week, may not. And if he's not, then it's going to be Tony McRae, more than likely inside, who is a, really a journeyman um, uh, special teams type guy. Actually, I think he spent a couple weeks in Bill's training camp like four years ago, but he will be exploited if he's your nickel corner. And Cole Beasley's been getting open quickly on this underneath stuff, quick routes. And when I look at it, I, I think he, if I'm playing fantasy and I had Cole Beasley, he's looking at like an eight catch day because I just don't think the Bengals nickel corner right now situation is very good. Normally it would be dark West Denard, but they put him on the pup list and he's got another four weeks to go before he can return. What's up with this offensive line? Uh, Billy Price, the number one pick from, was it 2018? Started every game in the world at Ohio State. Was a good prospect, first-round pick. And he can't start for this team. What, what's going on here? I know that there's injuries. It's it's It looks like an opportunity for Buffalo to really take advantage of some of the front five that Cincinnati's totting out there. Yeah, the Bengals are kind of in a transition there because they fired their offensive line coach, longtime Paul Alexander. They did this two years ago. He was there for like 16 years. Uh, they brought Frank Pollock on from the Dallas Cowboys, who's now with the Jets. So they let Pollock go after one year. Pollock brought on Billy Price. So now you bring in Jim Turner with uh, with Zach Taylor's offense, and they're starting over again. So it's fresh eyes. It's not the guy who drafted Billy Price. And I think when they looked at it, they said, "Well, Trey Hopkins is a better center than Billy Price right now. He's just he's longer. He's got he's got more athleticism. He fits the wide zone a little bit better than Price. So, and I'm not arguing with that because I, I did think Price was probably a poor fit for a wide zone team in, in at center, and I think he'd be a really good guard maybe uh, in that in that system. So the Bengals waited too long. Price had a foot injury dealing with I believe it was Liz Frank. Uh, so he missed the first couple of weeks of, of camp, and when he finally got in there. It seemed like he never got the chance to fully grasp that job. And it's, honestly, our co-host here, Jake Lisko, got to talk to him in Cincinnati, and he just seemed like he was down a little bit. And 
So I think he didn't get the chance to compete for the guard spot. The Bengals signed John Miller at right guard from Buffalo. You guys know who he is. He's mm-hmm. okay. He's got his issues, but at, for a bad offensive line, he's been our right guard right now. PFF actually gave him like an 85 grade for last week's game, which is a standout grade for, for a right guard. So he's the right guard, and the left, left spot is really where Billy Price could fit in. And it was fourth-round pick Michael Jordan out of Ohio State, the guy who played next to Billy Price, that actually won that job in camp. Michael Jordan has not been good, though, through two weeks. And, in fact, he he tweaked his knee a little bit uh, in the fourth quarter of this game. Billy Price replaced him at left guard and quickly got steamrolled and and, and wiped the touchdown out of, off the board with a whole bad holding call. It didn't look good for him. So he may not even start. Billy Price may not fill in for Michael Jordan while he's out this week. It could be veteran John Jerry that played for Jim Turner at, back in Miami and and uh, has played for the New York Giants and a longtime veteran may insert there at the guard spot. But really, the big issue is the tackle position. They paid Bobby Hart in the offseason. He's terrible at right tackle. And left tackle should be Cordy Glenn. As you guys know, you can't count on him. So already two weeks off now that he, he hasn't been on the field. And dealing with a concussion that's lasting about five weeks now. Really starting to make you concerned for, for his overall health and if he's going to play at all. And it's been journeyman Andre Smith. I say journeyman now because he's been with the Bengals for most of the time. But he has bounced around a couple other teams, Vikings and Cardinals. Uh, but he's just there just to, to be a pile on to run around at this point. So the Bengals are really trying to run this offense without an offensive line. Joe, the last thing I want to ask you here is actually kind of getting your perspective on the Buffalo Bills. I, I really respect you as a, as a football guy. Overall, I know that your Bengals kind of kind of your niche, but you know you have a really good grasp on the entire NFL scouting process of players coming out. And as somebody who lives in Western New York, I know that you uh, have a pretty good feel with what's going on here in Buffalo. So your, your opinion is one that I value. I say all that to say, what is your take on this Buffalo Bills team with a 2-0 start? and also Josh Allen's progress so far early this season. Yeah, so coming into the year, it's probably like everyone else. If Josh Allen takes that next step, they can probably be pretty good. I think when you're in year two of a quarterback pick, you feel like now your playoff and potentially Super Bowl window is open. Best case scenario is the Chiefs last year with Pat Mahomes, right? You feel like, okay, if you take that type of leap, not saying you're going to be an all-pro MVP quarterback in year two for Josh Allen, but uh, the expectation is now open for anything. So, Coming into the year after what he showed last year, which I thought was he looked like, you know, the guy I think we saw in college, which is sporadic, erratic at times, uh, deals with accuracy issues, mostly because I feel like he can be disjointed from his upper body and lower body. And and sometimes that happens. But I think he's a smart guy. Obviously, the way he can run the ball and run over people is extremely exciting. I'm glad they haven't taken that away from him. I'm watching the Jets game, uh, you know, two weeks ago, and the Bills, Bills didn't run the ball the first three drives, but Josh Allen had four carries in those in those first few drives, and that's fun. And, and the offense is throwing the ball a lot, and that's cool because I think that's the way you score points in this league, especially early in the season. So Allen at times this year I think already has looked cleaner, has looked crisper. I think he's throwing a more accurate ball. He's still dealing with the random weird plays, whether it's a fumbled snap or just sometimes just off-target throws that can get bounced around and, as we know, can lead to interceptions. So I think Allen so far through two weeks, I think Bill's fans should be very excited, should be hopeful that this is just the, the the scratching of the surface of what he can be. And the big plays are still there. You know, he misses John Brown last week deep down the middle of the field. And you think if he hits that, now his stats look like, now, now this game looks like a blowout. I mean, everything comes together just off one play there. We can make him look so much better. But I think he's he's on the verge of really beating you. And it's kind of funny because we've got Andy Dalton in Cincinnati where we look at him like, okay, he'll get do all the little things, right? You'll run your offense, right? But he's not really going to make any plays. 
when you're watching Josh Allen for the Bills, you're like, eh, there's some routine stuff that still needs to be ironed out. But, man, does he make plays and make the high upside plays. I think a lot of Bengals fans would like to have that or at least a quarterback that can do that. It's an interesting way to put it there. I guess I would rather have it the Bills way than than – than to be in the Bengals situation with not without having the guy that can really be dynamic in certain times. But to, yeah, it's it's putting it all together, and, and obviously the encouragement is definitely there for myself and Bills fans. At the end of a hard week, it's great to sit down, take some time off, and watch some football. Game-winning touchdowns, two-minute drives, running backs racing down the sidelines with no one to stop them. There's nothing else like the NFL, and there's no better way to make games even more exciting than to bet on them. So do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag. No one gives you more ways to win than they do. MyBookie's got the fastest payouts and better lines than any other sportsbook. Don't forget, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on, and MyBookie.ag is the best in the business. It's where I play and where you should too. I wouldn't be telling you guys to bet with them if they weren't the best. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet football this season, bet with MyBookie. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. And no matter how you bet this season, the NFL is the best time of year to bet. Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use our promo code LOCKEDON to activate the offer. That's promo code LOCKEDON. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, we're back now with the Joe LOCKEDON crossover event. This is Joe Marino and Joe Goodberry of the LOCKEDON Bills, Locked On. Bengals, and this is an exciting game. I think I feel like the Bengals and Bills have played a lot for a not a non-divisional <laughs> team. You just go back like ten years, right? I remember the game. What Buffalo was like four and one, five and one with Fitzpatrick went to Cincinnati. Uh, that was a, probably the last time the Bills really felt like they had a chance at the playoffs, and the Bengals just destroyed them and really sent their season down the tubes. But I don't want to think of, of the of the past too much. I, I'm kind of holding on to those games because I don't feel like the Bengals are um, going to pull this one out. But Joe. Uh, my first question here is you asked me about Josh Allen, but what do Bills fans, what do you think about Josh Allen's development? What have you seen from year one to year two that are either getting you excited or you still have some concerns? Well, the growth has been really exciting. And, you know, I kind of think a lot back to 2018 and realize I don't think the plan was for Josh Allen to play as much as he did, especially early on, right? Early in the season, he was running an offense that was more tailored for Nate Peterman, but Nate Peterman just played at such a poor level that they had no other choice but to put him in the lineup. And, Josh Allen didn't really get the time to run with the first-team offense throughout the course of the offseason. The offense was poorly built around him to step in and play right away as a rookie coming out of Wyoming that had his share of struggles in college and, you know, was a project. It was raw. And you saw the growth start last year throughout the course of the year, and Brian Dable, the offensive coordinator, really starting to evolve the offense to fit more of what works with Josh Allen. And now you have an entire offseason, right, to not only get the infrastructure better in terms of bringing in a whole new cast of characters, an offensive line and wide receiver, but also get the playbook set so that it works for what Josh Allen needs to do and how he needs to become a more complete passer. Last year we saw pretty much Josh Allen, if it wasn't deep, he takes off with the football. And really incorporating the short to intermediate throws was the big emphasis throughout the course of the offseason. And my goodness, we've seen that through the first two weeks of the season. Uh, not everything's perfect, but as I've kind of been telling my listeners, if you watch any football game with the same lens that you do, the Buffalo Bills, you're going to notice that just about every quarterback misses multiple throws in every game. You don't have to panic. The issue is when it becomes a theme and a story and something that's really restrictive to your offense. And so far, that's not been the case with Josh Allen, despite missing a few opportunities to hit plays. 
Josh Allen's becoming more consistent, seeing the whole field, understanding pre-snap reads, calling audibles, getting his team in the right looks, uh, getting the ball out of his hands quicker, and, uh, and, and still kind of finding opportunities to work the ball down the field, albeit not quite to the level that we saw in 2018. Now, I know that there's some new players in, in, in the mix, right? you got to get that chemistry down the field. Uh, but I'm hoping to see that kind of come back a little bit. But for now, I'm more encouraged by the more complete quarterback that Josh Allen is, is becoming more so than I am worried about him not necessarily hitting every throw down the field right now. So this offense has produced, uh, I think, six touchdown drives of over 70 yards already in two games. I think that's wow. third most in the NFL. And so I think that really, if, if there's one number that really speaks to his growth, it's probably that. And he's really playing well on third down. I mean, I can't believe I'm saying this stuff, Joe. You know, I mean, I, I was know. as concerned as anyone coming out with Josh Allen. I didn't want him. And, um, you know, he's really kind of, he's really embraced, uh, embraced the growth mindset and, and, and evolved. And the Bills have done well to build around him. And, and it's very encouraging. And, uh, you know, the big thing right now is getting the turnovers out of the equation. Right now, like, you know, he had four turnovers in week one, none in week two. But we need to see a stretch now here where, where Josh Allen doesn't have games where there's multiple turnovers and that becomes the new norm. The new norm needs to become taking care of the football plus dynamic playmaking. So encouraged, I guess, is the big buzzword there. Yeah, I get that. And, I, you know, I kind of expected Buffalo to be a more run-heavy team, especially after what they showed last year and kind of the conservative nature, I feel, Sean McDermott kind of uh, leads with. But they released LaShawn McCoy right before the season starts. We know we got Frank Gore and Devin Singletary was drafted. What does that rotation look like right now? If the passing game isn't there, they have to lean on the run game. What should we expect as Bengals fans? Well, the first thing we need to learn is what Devin Singletary's status for Sunday is. He, he tweaked his hamstring late in the game against the Giants, left the contest, and Sean McDermott, kind of keeping everything close to the vest like he always does, did not have any updates for us on Monday. Still gathering information on a hamstring tweak. So uh, we're, we're going to be left guessing there. But uh, let's assume everyone's healthy. So far through two games, I mean, Devin Singletary has 10 carries for 127 yards and a touchdown. He has really made some big plays when he's had the chance to touch the football. Now, the, the flip side of that is Frank Gore is outpacing him with carries 3-1. to one. I think it's Frank Gore has 30 carries through, te- through two games, and Devin Singletary has 10. So it's a different style. You know, they're putting Frank Gore in there to really pound the football between the rocks and really kind of grind away at the defense and then they kind of set up opportunities for Devin Singletary with some off tackle uh, plays and and really giving the the defense some jet motion and working away from it pulling offensive linemen so I don't want to take anything away from Devin Singletary who's been productive every chance he's had to touch the football but there's some opportunity creation that exists with some of that production and and the reality is right now like I said it's a three to one ratio in favor of Frank Gore when it comes to carries we'll see if Singletary is available we haven't seen TJ Yeldon touch the football we kind of thought this was going to be a Patriots-style approach to the backfield with different backs touching the football a lot. Well, T.J. Yeldon hasn't been part of the Knicks at all so far uh, this season. Again, that could change with Singletary's status. But uh, I think you're going to see a heavy dose of Frank Gore and some sprinkling in of, of Devin Singletary if everyone's healthy. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Buffalo, like the Bengals, had major issues on the offensive line coming into the offseason from last year. And unlike the Bengals, they invested a lot of resources. I mean, they went out and spent big money in free agency. And they also drafted a guy in round two that the Bengals were trying to get up and get in Cody Ford. How's that offensive line look now, two weeks in? Do you feel much better about it compared to last year? I would hope so. But how is Cody Ford doing also? Yeah, it's it's been a very good group so far, especially compared to what the Bills were trotting out there last year. I mean, the only starter that really returns from last year is, is Deion Dawkins at left tackle, who was a second-round pick in 2017, and 
is a team captain now, and he's he's having a good start to his young career. And uh, they've upgraded all the other spots. Quentin Spain at left guard. Mitch Morse was the highest paid center in the league until somebody recently broke that. But, you know, they did that for a reason. He's brought a lot of value in the, as a pass blocker and, and also with some of the polls getting out in space that he's done. At right guard, John Feliciano has brought an edge to this offense, really the physical player that uh, is creating space up front. And then this what's, what's weird, though, Joe, is what's going on at right tackle. Cody Ford's been the starter, but... The Bills are rotating Ty and Secchi in and out mm. with Cody Ford, and it, it's kind of a strange dynamic. Um, I think ev- everybody will tell you that they believe Ty and Secchi's the best right tackle on the team. Uh, the Bills have had six touchdown drives so far this year. Five of them have come when Ty and Secchi is in at right tackle. But Sean McDermott, even on Monday, has been continues com- to be committed to the rotation there, and they want to kind of sort it out and find out you know who the best guy is. I think we have pretty clear indication on who it is, but uh, they want Cody Ford to get his opportunity to play at tackle, although I don't think he's the best right tackle on the team, which is concerning uh, to me. He's had his own problems with speed, right? He, I mean, he got beat around the edge by Marcus Golden. You know Marcus Golden. He ran 4-9 at the combine, yeah. right? On the fastest day of his life, he runs 4-9. Well, I mean, that was six years ago, right? So he's not even a 4-9 guy. So you get nervous about his ability to keep up with speed, and you really don't with, with Nseki, who's 6'8", 330 pounds. He's got long arms. He frames blocks so much better. Um, so that's that's kind of the concern, and, and it's, it's a 50-50 split in terms of the timeshare. So um, that's the only concern I have with the Bills' offensive line, and hopefully the Bills will just play Ty and Secchi exclusively at right tackle, and we don't have to talk about this anymore. I will say I do appreciate them rotating and getting some of those guys in there. We're, you know, the Bengals have, have notoriously not given young players uh, the opportunity to play, so hearing that the Bills are at least do, doing that, it sounds fantastic and very foreign to us. But let's switch over a little bit to the defensive side. Uh, to me, the but the Bills have a top unit in the league, right? But I think on the defensive line is probably their maybe most underrated position because I think the linebacker unit and, and secondary is fantastic. But um, Shaq Lawson, first-round pick a handful of years ago, looked like in week one versus the Jets when I was watching the defense, he made a handful of plays. This is, a, this is an emerging year for Shaq, and they spent a first-round pick on Ed Oliver. How's he doing so far? Yeah, you know, Shaq Lawson, I, I was really high on him coming out of, out of Clemson, and his first year in the league, it's with Rex Ryan, and Rex Ryan wants to play him as a stand-up outside linebacker. And then the next year, he just was kind of, uh, I think, trying to find his way back to defensive end, and he started and he just struggled. And then his third year was his first year w- with uh, with Sean McDermott, or excuse me, his third year was his first year with Sean McDermott. And you start to see the light bulb come on a little bit. Really good run defender. That's never been the concern with Shaq. It's been, okay, when are the dynamic plays that a first-round pick is supposed to make in the backfield in terms of getting after the passer? And and those started to come towards the end of 2018. And they're starting to show up again here in 2019. He's playing with great effort. He's in good shape. He's still good against the run. But he's starting to get off contact and make some plays in the backfield. And it's a contract year for Shaq, right? The Bills didn't pick up his fifth-year option. And so I'm sure he's looking to really maximize his opportunity to get a contract, right? And young defensive ends that can make plays get paid a lot of money in this league. So I'm sure part of it is obviously some motivation for a payday. But, you know, he's playing better, and I think he's he's not made the contributions of what you expect for a first-round pick. But I don't have any questions saying that he's a quality rotational player that's bringing good value to the Bills' defense right now for nothing else besides the great effort that he plays with. Ed Oliver uh, has been a good good player so far for the Bills. In week one, I thought he was more effective being a penetrator. Uh, and um, 
maybe not as good against the Giants, who have a much better interior offensive line than I think the Jets do. Uh, but you can still see that he's not having any issues exchanging power for like a 280-pound defensive tackle. He can still get on the other side of the line of scrimmage. He can penetrate. Uh, I think the big thing for Ed Oliver is just starting to make plays, right? And I think that's going to come from becoming a little bit more consistent with his hand usage and getting off contact, right? I mean, he, he's got a big jump coming from Houston in terms of getting off yeah. blocks in, in, in the, uh, you know, the AAC compared to the NFL is going to be different. And so the, 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 the quickness is there, the power's there, the penetration ability's there. It's all right, okay, you got to figure out how to get off contact and finish plays. And once he does that, you know, he's going to be a dynamic player. So, so far, so good on both of those, uh, those first-round picks. Yeah, and uh, the rest of the defense, what do you think they do well? What Are they still like a, a zone team playing quarters yeah. defense a lot? You know, Sean McDermott's known for that. Um, Tremaine Edmonds at, at linebacker year two. I mean, they took two really high upside guys in the first round last year, and Josh Allen and then Tremaine Ed, uh, Edmonds on the defensive side. What's he look like? And if the defense is really good, but where do you think they can be exploited? The thing about the Bills' defense is – they, they do such a good job of disguising coverage. You know, you're not going to get a great pre-snap read on them, and, and, it, and that limits your ability to execute post-snap. And you've even heard, heard Tom Brady talk about it, and you've heard Adam Gase talk about it, how, how the Bills do such a good job of not giving you any clues and rotating in and out of certain situations. And they're a group that's been together for a while now in year three with Sean McDermott, and, and it's kind of led by those safeties back there and, and Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer, who are both in year three together with Sean McDermott. So – they do a really good job of limiting big plays. You know, I, you look back over over really since about yeah, week five, week six last year. I mean, big plays weren't really the theme of what the Bills gave up, and and it's very encouraging. Now, on the flip side of that, where they can they can be exploited is really two things kind of come to mind. First is I love the secondary. They're all really good players. They play well as a unit, right? They're a very cohesive secondary, but they don't have a lot of speed, right? And so I get nervous about. Athletic receivers, hello, John Ross, being able to get behind the secondary, not because of the scheme being bad, but just they, they're not the most athletic group, right? They don't have guys that run four threes in that group. I mean, Trey White's probably the fastest guy. He's a mid four four guy, right? And, and there's just not a whole lot of speed on the back end. And so when you can get a situation, if you're isolated or you can get behind, behind the safeties, there's going to be an, a, a problem just because the Bills don't have the speed to really keep pace. I think there's been chances so far early this year for Robbie Anderson. He got behind the Bills secondary. The throws weren't hit, uh, and and that's been the case a lot of times that you see guys getting free. They just don't hit the throw, and that probably is created some by the Bills doing a good job of limiting that and some stress on the offense to knowing that, hey, when it's available, you have to hit it, and maybe that's a big reason why they don't. But I just get nervous about a player like John Ross and his speed and the lack of speed potentially with the Bills' secondary. The other thing that gets me a little bit concerned is off-tackle runs. I think when the Bills have been challenged out on the boundary and the perimeter to, to, to defend against the run, uh, they haven't always been very consistent uh, coming downhill, making sure that those defensive ends don't get reached and allowing those linebackers to scrape over top. You saw the Giants in that first that first series last week really exploit that for the Bills, and it seems like whenever the Bills do give up production in the run game, it, it really kind of comes off tackle. So those are the two things that concern me a little bit with the Bills' defense. But again, we're talking about a good unit, one that has done well to limit points over the last you know, 18 games now that makes it very difficult on quarterbacks to be productive. I mean, uh, I think – there's only been two quarterbacks since week five of last year that have passed for over 210 yards. Eli Manning last week, who got a lot of that in the last series of the game, and then Tom Brady, who passed for 311. I mean, there's been there's been really good quarterbacks that the Bills have limited with their great secondary and pass defense and scheme. Uh, so uh, that's that 
that's very encouraging. But if I was going to attack the Bills, I, I would challenge them to run with guys like John Ross, and I try to get Joe Mixon off tackle. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. And I think uh, from a Bengals perspective, that kind of, a lot of that kind of made us nervous because John Ross is really the only receiver with speed. The, re- the rest of the guys are running four fives, four sixes in the receiving court right now. And Andy Dalton has been known for being very good reading pre-snap, but post-snap, if you switch it up on him, you're going to get him to make a lot of mistakes. Uh, and so it sounds like Buffalo does that very well, if not as good as anybody. So it should be interesting if the Bengals can get off the ground at all or, or through the air this time because they've been throwing a lot. So we'll see how that, that matchup goes. Uh, Joe, thank you for doing this with me. I highly respect your opinion. I can't wait to see your takes on Twitter, especially after this game, but uh, through draft season also as well. So thanks again. And this is the Lockdown Crossover, Lockdown Bengals with Joe Goodberry and Lockdown Bills with Joe Marino.